0: From CavsCorner coming to you from the Palatial Franklin Estates in the West End of Richmond, where it's Wednesday, March the 29th We we just we just talked to you guys, right? Uh, we're we're gonna do something a little special this week. We had the crew on to talk football yesterday. Um, you're gonna get basketball talk now with uh, a couple of my special guests. Um, first, let's bring in uh, your 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 friend, my friend, everybody's good basketball nerd on, on the board, Grafton nineteen, is back on the show. How are you doing, buddy?
1: I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself?
0: Not bad, man. Appreciate you coming on. Um, I, I Obviously, we had you on before uh, the, the season started, and I think it was a nice little uh, bookend to, to have you back and, and kind of talk a little bit about last season and, and kind of look forward. Also on the show tonight, uh, you know him from the hard hedge. You also know him from his uh, um, amazing contributions to the website here for the latter, God, like seventh of the season, which is totally my fault for not having uh, extended the invite earlier. Charlie Saulwasser, uh, my boy, uh, University Ball, is back on the show as well. How you doing, man?
2: Doing well, it's good to be here. It's a little strange to still be watching basketball without Virginia active, but we'll be talking about that tonight.
0: <laughs> well, you can watch basketball. I, I basically I, I watched the Carolina Kentucky game. That's the only game I've watched since Virginia lost. I mean, basically, once Virginia loses, I move on to football. And it's like basketball doesn't even exist. I don't. I don't make time to you know to to, to watch it. Dave and Ferber are over there texting me about it, and people are talking about it on Twitter. And I don't have no idea what happened. I think that's why when people talk about the the UCLA kid's dad, I have no idea what's going on with him or what the deal is because I literally have not consumed anything that he said because I just I I like bas- basically basketball season has been over for me for like two weeks now and, and you know it kind of is what it is. Um, that makes you one of the lucky ones. <laughs> <laughs> One of the very few, apparently. Um, so let's let's dive into it here. Um, let's start a conversation with kind of a, um, a post-mortem, so to speak, on, on sixteen seventeen. 17 um, I think we all knew when Austin Nichols was dismissed from the team that basically everything had changed. Um, I, I still don't think Virginia ever saw the ceiling that I, I believe that that team had. Uh, I don't think we ever saw them put together a full game um, or anything really close to it on, on both ends of the floor. Um, maybe the Carolina games is as close as you can get, but I, I have a hard time saying something was a complete game when the team shot like 32% uh, from the field. I, I just feel like that team was better than ultimately what they, they put out there. And, and and I think Tony, to his credit, did about as good a job as humanly possible to, to move so many different pieces around the chessboard to try to get them there. I, I just think that it just never seemed to click. And so, in a way, maybe I'm not. I shouldn't be surprised that they had some transfers at the end of the year. It just, it, it just never seemed like the the pieces fit together the way that they should have. I'm kind of curious as to to get your guys' opinions on how you look back at, at this season, um, Grafton. Let's start with you. How when you look back at last year, um, what do you, what would you say was, was was the the overarching sort of um, um, sort of uh, identity issue, or what do you what do you feel like was the problem for that team, and, and how would you kind of describe ultimately what kind of uh, undid them, other than obviously the 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 piece in the post and just not having a big. What, what, what were some of your thoughts on last season?
1: I don't think we were as good as we were when we started. Pretty good, you know, when our field goal percentage was as high as it's probably been under Tony Bennett. And I don't think it was as bad as we played at the end of the season. But I think. Carolina beating us at their place and Duke beating us at home gave the recipe for the rest of the teams. If you were athletic and you could guard us on the wing, knowing that we couldn't score inside, we were in trouble. I mean, it was just the writing was on the wall. Early in the year, even when we were winning, we weren't getting points in the post. And I think as teams adjusted and had film on this team, it was hard for us to score the basketball when we needed to. And as good as our defense is, it just wasn't going to hold when we couldn't score.
0: Yeah, I mean, and it's funny, I said on uh, uh, Luke uh, Wynn from WINA had me on the sh- on his uh, on the best seat in the house tonight. And one of the things that I kind of was talking to him about was that as you look forward in the future to, to, to DeAndre Hunter and Jay Huff being available, you, you can think of a post score as being a guy who scores points in the post, but also being a scorer who scores points in gen- period. Like so if you think back to like that Syracuse game. Their inability to just score around the rim was so evident. It wasn't necessarily that they they lacked a guy who could you, you could throw the ball into, he could catch, he could hold, he could survey, and then he could make a move. Jared Reuter essentially could do that. The problem is, is that they didn't have anybody who could like clean up anything around the rim, who couldn't go toward the rim and, and score. If you think about like when's what, what you saw, what maybe one alley oop play to there was one I think to Jack Salt. That was that was or maybe one was a deke the fact that I can't think of one in my in the mind.
1: mind. There's f- salt in the almost old- Missed it, I think.
0: Right, exactly. So the fact that I can't even see it in my head tells you a lot. Like you should you should be able to get some stuff for your bigs around the basket. And I think Virginia's inability to do that, coupled with uh, what I think was ultimately. Um, it was almost like I was watching um, a football offense, a passing offense that just had no timing. Like their quarterback and receivers just were on this different page. And I don't mean that specific to London and others. I mean in, in general. Guards to guards wasn't – guys were just very rarely on the same page. And so you would see, you would see possessions where the ball would, would come to the top of the key and you knew the, 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 the guy coming off the screen was coming on a curl or he was coming on a flare and he's supposed to be there. And you know the ball's supposed to be there. But the ball wouldn't get there. And then everything had to reset. And I just felt like they chased that rabbit all season long. And they just never got there. Charlie, what about you? How would you kind of s- sort of encapsulate uh, – that was a word I was struggling to to find earlier. How would you sort of encapsulate uh, issues that you that you saw from Virginia this season?
2: Well, it felt like – I mean, obviously we went into the season with a little bit of a rebuild or a reload with Malcolm and Anthony Gill and Mike Toby, like that entire class – with their departure, we were going to be replacing a lot. And then I think, I mean, I know Nichols was never in the best of shape and wasn't something people were like the staff was fully depending on, but just knowing we had that kind of talent at the beginning of the season, I feel like his loss made us have to rebuild again on the fly. And it was like, nobody ever really settled in to roles this season. Like the, the junior class, I mean, those guys didn't really make leaps. Like all of those guys improved a little bit, but none of them became fully dependable. I mean, Devin, obviously, I've been writing for him for a long time, and he improved a lot this season, but none of those guys emerged as stars or dependable double figure scorers. And then, like, London has always been at his best as a, a second option, a third option as a scorer, like, not necessarily as the focal point. And so the team, I think, they sort of just str- – like they struggled in that everybody was maybe a position higher on the hierarchy than they should have been. That's and an with everybody a little it. bit – with with every everybody just one step off, it kind of helped – it kind of kept them from ever getting into that rhythm you were talking about.
1: Yeah, I
0: think as I look back on – I remember saying – it might have been on our, our show, Grafton. I, I remember saying that I thought that the – that the returning guys, the guys who had played in the Virginia uniform before, how they played would dictate how well UVA season went. And that's ultimately exactly the way it it happened. I mean, listen, Ty and and Kyle and to some extent Mamadi as well were welcomed additions. They certainly had big moments. They they weren't consistent enough. And certainly that's got to be something that gets fixed going forward. But in terms of the junior class, you feel like – I almost think of them as like – like, if you see a soundboard, right, and you see the knobs, and some of the knobs go all the, are all the way up, and some of them are midways, and some of them are down, and, like, you never got to a place where you felt like all the knobs were pushed all the way forward, right? That some of them went up and down, up and down, up and down. Like, I felt like y- – y- I can't say that they didn't take steps forward, but I also can't say that they took steps forward. You know, it's like a, it's weird sort of uh, mashup of guys who at in some games – did take steps forward, and the other games were completely, you know, the opposite direction. And I just feel like that inconsistency, coupled with, I, I think two things: w- Virginia's style of play, right? So the so they are, they're going to be a team that has to execute, right? So you have to be efficient with the ball. And I think too the timing piece of it. I just I just think that offensively they never really got in sync with each other. And so it, it's almost to Charlie's point about you know guys just never really you know that, that basically they had to sort of almost rebuild on the fly I feel like it was almost a rebuild week to week that yeah. that they, they were yeah. sort of searching for answers and every you know I, I, maybe it wasn't a set amount of time like that but there was a certain amount of time would pass you and go all right we're gonna try this thing now and it was, and, and and I don't even mean it in terms of like grand sort of like scheme changes but it was definitely personnel match how how personnel how personnel like fit together when guys went in and out. Um, I mean, everybody pays attention to like starting lineups and stuff, but I mean, some of the some of the ma- some of the groups that you would see of a, like a rotation to playing guys playing together, you would just I, I, more times than I can remember in the in the time that I've covered Virginia basketball this season, I went, man, I, that's a weird lineup. And, well, it and like, and
2: th- like, and, like, and sorry,
1: okay. sorry, Grafton, you can go ahead. Well, and think about it. Everyone's surprised about all the guys that transferred, but I think the Miami game was the future. After he didn't play Jerome and Guy. I think Tony realized, look, if I'm gonna build for the future with those guys, I just need to do it now because honestly, would we have lost that game if they played maybe? But I mean, to sit those guys on the bench as long as they did in the struggle, that to me was a sign that Tony knew, Okay, we've gone as far as we can go this year. I've gotta play those two. And the future has to be right now. And we gotta go, yeah, well, he, we gotta go he, as far as they'll
2: take he us. He admitted. Yeah. Tony admitted yep. as much on Coach's Corner after that game. Like he was saying, like, well, maybe I erred a little bit in not playing Ty and Kyle. And I think he realized, like, toward the end of the season, especially we saw it, and I think it became apparent to those third years that like the true talent and the true future of the program rested with those kids. And I feel like they saw the writing in the they saw the writing on the wall with Ty and Kyle, Mamadi, and I mean certainly with DeAndre and Jay, who have received probably like as many glowing reviews as the guys that played this year. That's true. Like they saw, they saw those guys coming in the rearview mirror. And I mean, they just, they made the best decision to finish their career somewhere else.
0: And I think too, the thing is that let's talk transfers for a few minutes. I, I really think that if you look at each one of these in, in its, in its own little, uh, in its own little corner, right? Um, Reuter to me seems like a guy who was is five years too late right several years ago he would have torn the college game up right a, a low post guy who you could consistently go to more often than not he's going to get you points um you know he he yeah, i think he did have a, a a pension for turning the ball over a little bit too much but i think some of that was just he's an effort guy and and as you saw last year in the in the cal game that he basically willed <laughs> to sort of win at times um you know sometimes he just he get, he would just get going a little bit too much and he and he kind of get get away from himself but i thought his decision to leave made perfect sense. Um, I, I, I under, also understood Shayox. I mean, if you look at his minutes and where he was in that four-game winning streak to end the, se- to, to end the regular season, um, or I guess technically one of them came in the uh, ACC tournament, uh, if you look in that stretch, he, he really didn't play much. And I don't think it's a good sign when a team goes on a winning streak without you. Um, now, that's not to say he didn't save their bacon against UNC Wilmington. He absolutely did. But that he, he was such a... His game is so not a good fit for what Virginia need, was trying to do offensively. Like he needs a ball in his hands, and he needs to. He, you know, it was almost like if he didn't have the right matchup, he was essentially useless at times. Um, but I'll, at the same time, I, I still think that kid. You know, he was giving it everything he had. Um, I, I think that maybe transferring was in the back of his mind, but it certainly wasn't something that that was you know precluding him from you know go, you know sacrificing his body left and right in the NCAA tournament. And then Thompson's decision, I think, is is probably the the one peculiar one because he did seem to have a pretty um, a pretty easily identifiable role next year. It just wasn't going to be as a starter with any consistency. And you had to think that next year, um, you know, Devin was going to be you know the senior leader. He's going to be the uh, the the team captain. You knew that Ty and Kyle were going to get minutes. You knew DeAndre was going to get minutes. Um, and you probably figured Marco Anthony was going to get some minutes too because that's a, you know, a thing for the future. Um, I still think, though, that had he stayed, Virginia's in a better spot, but I also don't think that because he decided to leave that they're in a terrible spot. They're just going to need guys to produce and certainly for, for younger guys to develop. Let me ask the question this way, and Grafton, we'll start with you. What, were you surprised at any of those three decisions, and, and how do you feel UVA moves forward?
1: Wasn't surprised by Reuter because, like you said, he was a six-seven post in a game that's spread out. And there's some games he could play 10 minutes, and there's some games you couldn't put him on the floor, depending on if another team would spread us out on the off, on their offensive end. Um, Shayok surprised me. I mean, I knew Thompson was 50-50 because he's graduated, so it's easy for him to go to another school and play right away. But for Shayok to do it, it's a little baffling because he's going to have to sit a year. And he was a year away from graduating. So that kind of stunned me a bit. But looking at the roster now, I kind of get it. Even though he did play well in the UNCW game. And you figured, wow, if he didn't play as well as he did, we would have lost that game. So that was a little surprising. But the other two, not surprised at all.
0: What about you, Charlie? Uh, Any any real surprise uh, about those three? And and how do you kind of feel like UVA moves forward uh, in the wake of those decisions?
2: Well, I'm not surprised. I mean, I think everybody saw Jared coming from midway through the season, and he's going to score 17. He's going to put up 17 and 11 at, like, a Patriot League school or something and make a nice little career for himself. Like, I think this is one of those transfers that works out for everybody. Um, But and I honestly wasn't surprised by Mariel. I mean, I never doubted his effort, but, I mean, you touched on how his minutes went up and down. But the team's record this year was, man, I don't have Danny Neckles tweet right now, but it was considerably better when he played less than 20 minutes than it was when he played more. And just on both ends of the court, he was a little bit too much of a freelancer for what Tony is looking to do. And I kind of see Marial as like a KT Harrell type of transfer, but like looking out, like taking care of his own business. Like he could go to someplace that's maybe in need of a guy to shoot the ball 15 times a game. And he's going to go somewhere and he's got a nice, like, He's got a nice little offensive game. I think he could. I mean, for the right team, he could go somewhere and put up numbers. Like, it's hard to blame a guy, especially a guy who plays the same position as DeAndre Hunter, for wanting to go somewhere and further it. Um, yeah, Darius. Darius actually, it surprised me because he had already transferred once. Like, I was a, I, even knowing that he had graduated, I wasn't sure he would want to play. Like, there's a sort of stigma that hits a guy that plays for three teams. And with him having a role cut out, that was the one I was most um, surprised by. And honestly, a little disappointed because I thought Darius was a valuable piece, like maybe more so than the other guys, just because of the way both he was defending on the perimeter at the end of the year. And he really, he stepped up his game as a distributor this season. Like he was, he was very valuable in putting London off the ball and I could see it happening next year with both Ty and Kyle. Like, I could have seen his use as a guy who could get in the lane and set up guys for shots, but I guess he thought the grass was greener elsewhere. Honestly, like none of these really shake me up. I'm not losing a lot of sleep. Like even not knowing what we do with these open scholarships, I feel like if nothing else, this manages the numbers crunch a little bit. Cause I know Tony always gets antsy if he has too many guys.
0: It's, he gets antsy if he has too many guys. He gets antsy if he doesn't. Uh, if he doesn't have enough, I, I really think that, that that whatever year it was when like everybody got hurt and he was basically playing like randos from the from the crowd, I, I think that is has, has stuck with him. And so he's much. He's he's fine filling the roster with scholarship players, and then them deciding to go elsewhere and give him scholarships to to use. I, I think. His model is that some teams just don't use those scholarships. Tony's idea is like let's get everybody ready, and then if I, and if they decide to leave, they decide to leave, and we move forward. To your point on on Shayok, Charlie, uh, if my if I'm looking at this right in ACC or postseason play, uh, Shayok played 20 minutes 13 times, and Virginia lost eight of those games. Um, if I, I might, I, I mean I I'm counting uh, while I record, so mm-hmm. who knows? Um, but I think that's an interesting point. It, I wonder if we could go back in a in a way back machine, right? And and go back to like the after the West Virginia game, right? So at that point there um you know, they just lost their first game of the season. They're they're getting ready to prepare. They've got East Carolina and Robert Morris before they play Cal. You've got the exam break in there. I wonder if they could go back then and just start pumping minutes into the younger kids. What w- what they look like because I, I the one thing that really struck me was while Mamadi Diakite would make mistakes, I just felt like every minute you played him was a was an investment in the next minute he was gonna play. In a way that I can't say necessarily translates in a one to one sort of ratio for everybody else. Like I, I, feel like cumulatively players get better experience and, and certainly that improves them. Uh, their, it improves their game. Mamadi, you could see flashes of of him being able to get it, he, but I almost feel like he was so he was so lost. He reminded me so much of Trent Corney. Um, to bring up a, a football player of of the past, like when he was on the field, when Trent Corney was on the field, you knew that 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 each play had the potential to be special, but also he could have a massive mistake and it would be bad. When Momany was on the court, you, you had similar similar vibes. And but I felt like as the year went on and he started to get some, you know, something, uh, something resembling at least consistent minutes. He was he wasn't he wasn't struggling as bad. He was he was making mistakes. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he was playing you know perfectly. But he certainly showed enough to me that, that that would warrant more minutes. And I feel like maybe if there's one thing I would go back and change about Virginia season, aside from, um, you know, some of the things we've talked about with the, the issues, maybe with them not necessarily being on the same page or the offense, you know, struggling or what have you, is that maybe maybe giving some more minutes to some younger guys if it if it led to some non-conference losses i I don't i don't think that necessarily that would have been a bad thing you know if they lose that cow game because they played the three young kids more you know does anybody really bat an eye i mean i I just ultimately think that um looking back on the season it's it's obviously easier now right because it's 2020 and you know that they were they were only going to get to the round of 32 and so what does it really matter but I, I think as they move forward, I think that might be something that actually could, could come back to bite them a little bit because now they do need those three kids to, to really take a step forward um, and, and, and develop at a, high, at a high clip. I mean, they need those guys to take the sort of leap that, they, that this team needed that junior class to take, and I think that's the thing that might stick with them. Um, as we look ahead to, to, the, to the rest of the spring... Uh, Virginia has four scholarships that, that the Cavaliers can use right now. They've got the Austin-Nichols scholarship and the three transfers. Um, three of those scholarships are essentially 2018 scholarships. The Nichols one they've been working on since the fall, so they know they, they've got at least a, a vague idea. I, I really think they're going to use two uh, and then roll two over to 18 because they're pretty well positioned uh, in that class with a, with a whole host of dudes. Um, need-wise, I think we all agree. Um, that guard is the thing. I mean, they they need a you know, um, a kind of a bucket-getting sort of guard. Um, Grafton, let's start with you. You have two scholarships to use. Give me some skill sets of guys that you think Virginia needs and absolutely has to have for next year. Is it one? Is it two? Uh, what kind of skill sets do you think they need to add to the roster?
1: I mean, first and foremost, a water bug point guard, John Tell Evans type, but can shoot. I mean, we need a guy who can set tempo at time. I mean, John Tell was a great defender, could score. We need a guy that can score the ball. The second one, that's where I'm torn because you don't want to take away minutes from guys at certain spots. I think the two and the three, we have multiple guys that can play there. So maybe at the four spot, um, somebody that can play defensively, play in the hedge, score on the block a little bit. But that's going to be tougher to find than, I think, the guard personally. Um, Personnel-wise, we don't need another Jack Salt going with Wilkins, so we have to kind of, like you said, our combos are weird this year, where in the past, our combos fit the personnel that we had. So I think when we're going to get a big with the scholarship, the staff has to be very careful with who they get. But I think point guards, first and foremost, who we need because you put a point guard that can push tempo with the crew that we have. I mean, you can move Jerome. Jerome shot better than I thought this year. So he easily can slide to the two. Guys, naturally, a two. Hall in Spot can play the four because I didn't realize until the tournament he could defend down on the block like that. So if we get a guy that can push tempo, it'll make the offense a lot better, personally. Yeah. Charlie,
0: what about you? What are, do you? Do you feel like they should, should, should uh, pull two? and And if they do, skill set-wise, what are you looking for?
2: Absolutely, first, yeah, definitely we should go for two. The first one, I want a 1.5. But I want a guard that can get into the lane. I want a guy that can beat his man with the first step and get into the lane to either create for himself or others. Like that's something we didn't really have. I mean, Devin showed flashes, London showed flashes, but not nobody was consistently able. I mean, even Darius showed a little bit, but nobody was consistently able to get to the rim just off the dribble this season, which is something I thought we were really missing when the offense ran aground. Like that's something that Malcolm used to do for us like in those situations when guys were jumping out on the screens and we couldn't get anything through the offense, Malcolm could beat a guy and get us a basket. And we didn't have anybody that could just get ahead of his man this season. <laughs> and then the other one, um, I want, I want a, a wing with, I mean, maybe this is Deandre Hunter. I hope it is like, I'm, and I think it is. I'm just not counting on it until it happens. And the more bodies, the better, just like you were saying, Tony likes, I want a wing that's springy. Like we got, Burnt pretty consistently by guys with NBA caliber athleticism this season, the Dwayne Bacons, the Jason Tatums of the world. And I just, somebody to put out there on the perimeter and contest those guys a little bit more would be welcome to me. I think we're like, I don't want to ask for another big because, I mean, we've got Salt, we've got Isaiah. I don't want anybody getting in the way of Jay Huff. And I, like, I haven't even touched on Mamadi, who might be the best of all of them. Like, I don't even really want another big to muck things up down there. Give me a springy wing and a
0: 1.5. You know, it's uh, you you, mean, you mentioned the 1.5. I, I, I remain convinced – this is a conspiracy theory I came up with the other day in the car. So I remain convinced that one of the reasons that UVA did not push for a point guard with the 117 scholarship that they had at the time was because of Darius Thompson's play – Toward the maybe the latter quarter of last season, right? Had he not played well, right? Had he not not been who he was, right? And he let's just, let's just assume for the argument's sake he had just stunk it up, right? They would have pushed for a point guard, and they probably would have gotten Chris Likes. And if they if they had gone all in on Chris Likes much much earlier, I believe they could have gotten him. And if he and if they got him, he is literally to a T exactly what they need a point guard. Who can create off the dribble for himself and others? Get to the rim and finish, and, and elevate and finish. Right? I mean, that was the thing that they they Darius would do that every once in a while. But otherwise, nobody else getting to the rim and being able to finish at the at the cup. And I think that's the thing they got to find now. A grad transfer makes more sense than a than a 2017. Senior, because then, one, you've got Ty and, and, and you know how point guards are, and you're already looking at 18 as kind of the, the next group of, of point guards, and you're in a good spot with a, a bunch of really talented kids. Uh, a grad transfer here makes the most sense. I, I look at it from the standpoint uh, in the big spot as I, – I, I do think that DeAndre is the springy three. I think he he and Mamadi both kind of can, can sort of cover that need. I, what I think they need is a physical – um, four man who is is more in the like a G clone sort of uh, mold where like a guy who can catch and lean and then go to the rim um, and and draw contact and play through it as well as get to the line. That's the thing I think that not only did they did last year's team do a really good job of of maximizing Malcolm going to the rim, but I think getting when Gil when Gil was active like that. I mean, I think back to that Syracuse game. That they don't have somebody who, who could just stand there, step, catch, score is ridiculous if you think about it, right? Like, that's that seems to be one of the easiest sorts of places for a big man to eat. And, you know, they just didn't have it. And I feel like that's the thing that was, that was sort of missing um, for basically this entire season. And I think if you can find a grad transfer there, that's great. I really think that if they find two grad transfers that's easily the best case scenario, right? You find a a guard and a big come in play. You don't worry about, you don't mess anything up with 18. You don't mess anything up with guys going forward. Um, You know, you, you have a good feel for for the skill sets of the guys on your, on your roster. Um, If you get, maybe let's say they get one grad transfer, who's a guard. And then, you know, they got an opportunity to add a 17 big. i still don't know if you, I still don't know if that's a good move. Um, because I just don't know if a if a 17 kid coming out of high school can play the role the physical sort of um, this physical sort of role that they need from a big in, in, for this season, and it's going to be interesting to see how Tony handles that. Because what Tony has done in the past has been he's identified guys who could certainly develop into into real players, and then watched as those guys developed into real players over the next you know year and a half, and then they came to Charlottesville and they continued to develop. Now he's he's in a spot where he needs to find somebody who can play right away and be good right away. You know you're not you, you know it's almost like it, what they found with Austin, except even more accelerated. And that's a tough sort of uh, mountain to climb when it's not a thing you do with any regularity. I mean, you think about the transfers they've had; have all been guys who sat for a year and then needed a little bit of time once they actually saw the floor. I mean, it wasn't like. You know, Darius Thompson walked out out there, and, and you know he was you know an All ACC sort of candidate. Ag's probably as close as you get, but that team he was on his first year was pretty loaded.
2: If you remember. and they used, I mean, they used AG's instant offense off the bench for at yeah. least the first half, two thirds of his first year. Like he wasn't trusted until year two.
1: Exactly, totally yeah, that's a good point. And he wasn't as good at the foul line as he was in year two either. So a lot of time he would do work, but he couldn't finish at the line. Then he fixed that problem, and like Brad was saying. Then it became instant buckets at the basket, and then he was shooting seventy percent of senior year so gave teams trouble one thing I want to touch on real quick
0: before we we wrap up is it's a rant that I've been wanting to go on for a week or so I, I guess i'm I'm trying to figure out how to get into it, so
2: it's about me not posting enough, isn't it?
0: <laughs> no no, it's definitely <laughs> not that no, so I feel like the end of season is is tough because everything you know they're hugs everywhere right you know everybody it's a very like team oriented sort of thing and i had this video of shayok that i was going to run right and i was going to run it literally the day that he announced he was leaving and I, i i have not gone back to watch it but he talked about working harder for next year and within what was that four days how long? How long was it between? I guess that was Saturday night. So then that was yep. Wednesday, right? So four or five days. I, I guess I, I, don't, I don't necessarily think that that transferring is a bad thing. Uh, I, I think you players are, are. College college athletes don't have a lot of of rights, so to speak. Right? So the 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 grant and aid that they signed the. The paperwork that, that essentially that they the binding agreement they go, get into with with the NCAA and the school is is pretty it's pretty harsh if you think about it from the player perspective. I mean they can't they can't do what coaches do. They can't do what regular students do. No nobody cares if you transfer from Virginia to, to William and Mary for your uh, for your third some you know what I mean. Like if you if you got the credits and they accept you, you're fine. Um, I, I understand realistically that transfer that the transfer thing is, is a is a very real thing and it's going to be a thing until, I feel like, until the NBA changes its rules and and then that sort of uh, early entry uh, change sort of um, trickles down to the rest of the college game because that's a, 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 I'm not saying every kid transfers because their kid goes pro. I do think that a lot of the kids transfer because opportunities are out there because kids go pro. And so it changes up a lot of what's going on. I, I guess where I'm going with this is my... My frustration is with the idea that uh, everybody just leaves if it's tough. And I don't want to sound Pollyanna-ish. I I, I don't. I I understand the realities of the situation. I'm certainly not going to say to any of these three guys that that left UVA that they they made a bad decision or anything like that. I'm just looking at the the broad spectrum, and I'm kind of curious of what you guys think about transfers and and, and the the reality of the game. Is this a thing that, that, that you guys think is going to continue to be a thing um, is it going to continue to get worse at the clip? It's continuing to get more, you know, more pervasive. How do we feel about transfers and 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 what would we like to see um, from this kind of thing, Grafton? Let's start with you. What's what's your general take, so to speak, on 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 this transfer epidemic, um, and and is it an epidemic to, in your opinion?
1: You no, know to me it doesn't bother me, and I only say that because in football it happens a ton, and coaches pretty much can we, like you said, coaches can leave at will. You know, they can go UNCW to NC State at will if they want to. And the players are kind of stuck with what they can do. And I honestly think that players should have that freedom um, just to give coaches options, too. I mean, it sucks sometimes because the bigger schools, the bigger names have first, you know, rain on players. But I don't really see it as a problem. I actually think it will get worse before it gets better. And you're correct until the NBA – I'm not a fan of the NBA rule. I'm personally, you either go pro or you stay at least two years, you know, something like something like baseball. But I think three would be too extreme. I think you should have an all or two year rule. And I think that would soften it a bit. But you're exactly right. Until they change that rule, kids are going to transfer. But at the same time, I don't see a problem with it because coaches come and go all the time. Which I think is funny, that kid from Pitt transfers and then gets the coach that he left. <laughs> yeah. That that's one of the hilarious stories of the year. He goes to Lewa school and then that guy follows him to Pitt. That had to be an awkward conversation for at least a yeah, week. Yeah, and then he's stuck.
0: Yeah, then he's stuck. Yep.
2: What, do you, what do you think, Charlie? Well, I mean, I still buy into like At my heart, I buy into, like, the Norman Rockwell. Everybody's, like, all for one, one for all. But I know it's not really that way. Like, as much as all of these guys love their teammates and want success, they're here to play. They're here to play basketball. They've come to college to play basketball. And what they want to do professionally is play basketball. So I don't really begrudge. If you feel like suddenly your chance to audition for the next level has been cut down, like, and you're worried about your playing time, you want to get yours, I'd... Like it's hard to begrudge a guy to be like, well, all right, go seek out the best seek out the best opportunity for you. It just means there's always like there's a scarcity of willing role players, kind of the the Evan Nultis of the world. Like it's it's hard to recruit top guys and convince them that they're going to excel in a role and that's going to be the ceiling for them. But as I mean, as long as guys wanna as long as guys don't accept their ceiling, then there are always going to be transfers of this amount. And that's I, I don't see it getting better anytime soon.
0: Yeah, I mean that's a good yeah. I mean, listen, I'm not trying to begrudge, and I certainly am not trying to to, to make it seem like I think that players shouldn't transfer. I, look, I, I am all about the the players, the the student athletes having um, more autonomy. I mean, I, I think the idea that, that if you transfer, you have to sit out a year is I understand why it's there, but I almost feel like it essentially um, it 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 penalizes you for a decision you made. Uh, at at sixteen and a half or seventeen, as well as penalizes you for a decision that maybe you didn't have anything to do with the, your, the school you went to, fired the coach that that you that that recruited you. The school you went to had a coach who who recruited you and then left to go to another job. The school you went to recruited over you. You know these are things that are outside the player's control. So I'm not trying. I don't want to make it sound like I'm I'm against players having. Um, Some avenue because I I think it's right and listen I'm also a big I'm a realist right so like If you don't want to be like if you don't want To be at UVA for your last year uh, And you have the opportunity because you've graduated You can play somewhere else you should go because If you're not fully in you're not going to be fully in Then either right Um I just I just look at it from the standpoint of there's so many transfers and some 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 make sense. You look at a kid like Jared Reuter, of course that that makes p- total sense. but there's so few guys in his situation. You have these kids who are essentially um, using their current school as almost a tryout, so to speak, for the elite programs. Um, it, and, and what's funny to me is that if if more kids went in redshirted, use that year to get credits, Right, so they could graduate after their third year and play right away. The spring is a feeding frenzy at the at the powerhouse schools, right? Because they've either lost a bunch of dudes to the NBA, their rosters in flux, and they need somebody who can come in and play right away. That's why some of these kids from these small colleges end up going where they go. But then you also are going to have kids who leave situations that I, I don't want to say they shouldn't have left, but it, it just seems like to me sometimes kids just give up um, a little bit too easily, and I, and I think a lot of that has more to do with The people that are in their ears, you know, for example, like Shayok, it makes a decision to leave. Um, He still has to sit a year. He's given up. He's so close to UVA degree. Now, maybe he does play professionally. Maybe he goes overseas and he makes a good living. And maybe and and you know what? More power to him. I wish him the best of luck. The chances are not good that that's what's going to happen, right? The chances are that he's going to give up on a UVA degree. He's going to go somewhere. He's going to spend two years. He's going to play one year. He's going to end up overseas, the same place he was probably headed if he stayed at UVA, got his degree, and and played his last season, right? He's going to end up in the exact same spot. It's almost like you know, guys who, who should stay or go, you're talking about whether or not they should go pro or not, and you think, oh, what are you going to – are you actually improving your draft stock? Does anybody – I mean, maybe he goes somewhere and blows up and he scores 30 a game, and I, and I look like a fool. But ultimately, I just kind of feel like some of these kids are, are in a situation where they're going to be who they are, and they're trying to chase a, a little bit of a ghost, and, and maybe it's because of people in their ear. Um, but it's just been some uh, – I'm very rarely ever not – I'm very rarely ever, like, not focused – on, on exactly what I, what I feel right. This thing has me all over the place Like, Depending on what day you ask me I, I have a different opinion and I, and I know that if I feel that way I'm sure that a lot of people do And, and, and it's got to be tough to, to kind of Wade the water I, like, I, I agree with you guys Like, I really believe that until the NBA makes a change to its rules The college game is going to continue to kind of Ebb and flow um, I thought over the course of the season That this was a good year there weren't any great, great, great teams. There were a bunch of, you know, pretty good teams. Um, but there were also a lot of teams at the bottom that sort of played up um, and and certainly made for some intriguing conference battles and whatnot. But, you know, a Final Four of Oregon, South Carolina, North Carolina, and Gonzaga is just not what anybody probably expected at the start of the season. That that has to be a good thing for the game in some ways. And, um, you know, I guess it, yeah, it, it means it, good things about concerned. the parity.
1: Don't you think the tournament committee messed that up? It should have been Kentucky Carolina. <laughs> I
0: mean, honestly. I mean, yeah, but at the <laughs> same time, like if you you got to go back and make specific cases and you can't really use the, yeah. the actual results of the tournament because that doesn't change what the result what the resumes were at the time. Like you would have made yeah. Gonzaga 1 in the West because essentially you got to have somebody in the West. You know, if Carolina if if Kentucky had been better, then they wouldn't have been a 2. And yeah. and so, essentially, it's just like that, that Kentucky team that was like a, I don't know, what were they, like an eight that one year, and they were stacked, and they just played like crap most of the year. I guess maybe they had some injuries and then all of a sudden got right. Like, Duke should have been a much better team than they were. They had dealt with some injuries. They had some weird fit issues. Uh, I don't think K is doing a very good job with his one-and-done program the way Kentucky's doing a good job with its one-and-done program. It's like K wants to be half in the one-and-done and half not, and you either got to be all in it or you're not. You know what I mean? Like, you've got either got to be – Able to to take these kids in and put them out there, or you got to be able to develop guys. I
1: think Carolina's well, done look, a good job of taking these. Yeah, I was about to say Roy, Roy Williams now has kind of bought in. I wouldn't say it's a Bennett philosophy 100 of the way, but he's kind of had guys that have state and it's, it's really worked for him. I mean, I've been I've been more impressed with Roy Williams the last two years than I ever have been. Just I was, because guys are and they've gotten better.
2: I've been a long time Roy Williams skeptic, and I yep. agree with Grafton that. Like the job he's done developing guys that have stayed has impressed me like and they're running a different kind of thing. They asked him about it recently, and he kind of joked and was like, well i'm recruiting those guys i'm just not getting them but that's true I mean, you know that's <laughs>
0: very true that's so true that's so true like they could have they they there are so many of those five star elite blue chip kids that they wanted and didn't get, but he's done a good job of finding the the auxiliary pieces like the um you know the um Penson. The, well, Theo Penson, Nate Britt, um, Kenny Williams—guys who will come in and are fine sitting for a while while they're wearing that jersey in a way that they wouldn't be fine sitting wearing other jerseys. And but they, I think they also know that eventually Roy's not going to over-recruit them. Like even with even with Britt, like Britt still had a role even though you know they continued to recruit other point guards. Um, and and that's just I think that's a good thing on them, and it certainly seems to be working because um, they've they've done a pretty good job with it.
2: Well, that's a nice thing about having that Carolina blue and the Jordan insignia on the jersey. That maybe a guy <laughs> like Nate Britt is willing to stay and play a role, and a guy like Mariel Shayok is not.
0: I mean, dude, dudes like dudes will sit the pine at Alabama for two full seasons, knowing all they got to do is put together three or four games, and there, and the and the rep will 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 carry them. I mean, you look at the number of players that get drafted from Bama. Um, you know, I I don't think Carolina's had that much success getting guys drafted recently. Uh, with the NBA, but certainly guys are are willing to go and, and be a part of something that's a little bit more um, static uh, than than what you, you you know you see in Durham or in Lexington. But um, I I think that's a, a really good put place to put a pen in it, guys. I, I really appreciate you guys being willing to to come out, and give me some time on a, on a random Wednesday night. Um, appreciate everything that you both do for the site in various ways. Grafton likes to make sure that everybody continues to talk and he tries to stay positive and. Uh, except for you're 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 kind of you, you get a little antsy uh, during game threads. You you are very
1: yeah. Game, do you know what? That's why after the uh, after the loss, I made a vow not to post for three days. So <laughs> for that I
0: reason, like it. I like <laughs> it. Uh, and, and and Charlie, I appreciate you coming on the site and 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 contributing this year. It's been it was a it was a match made in heaven. So I really appreciate you being willing to bring some of your stuff over. Um and, and deal with and it was, you know me ed- having an uh, having somebody else edit your stuff can be a little weird so I appreciate you being willing to have me uh, have me do it.
2: Hey, it was my pleasure. It was an honor.
0: Uh, but again, thanks guys for being on the show. Thanks everybody out there for for giving us a listen. As always, we will be back next week. I'm guessing to talk more spring football and maybe to talk some some transfer basketball. We'll see how kind of things shake out for the the rest of the week or I guess the next week or so, depending on when we uh, when we record the next episode. But. For, for Charlie and Grafton19, a boy uh, from, from uh, whose name is not actually Grafton, but we would just, we'll just continue to call him Grafton anyway. I am uh, Brad Franklin, publisher of Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.